CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. And after uh, taking a week off last week, Mike, we are back yet again to talk some more CFL football here. Yeah, you know what? It's been a long 14 days or however long since we recorded the last show uh Looking forward to getting back into routine a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, busy schedules again for both of us lately, which is why, you know, you haven't seen as much activity from us, but we're hoping to get back into the swing of things here. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in uh, bath nine of my busy schedule. I still got about a month to go on mine, but... Anyways, getting into talking about the CFL's latest news from the past couple weeks. There hasn't been too much, has there? It's been a relatively quiet two weeks since we last recorded. You know, we had that flurry of activity in the first couple months of the offseason, and and now things are starting to die down a little bit. Yeah, and and I think, in fairness, we were kind of spoiled coming out of the season and out of the great cup with all the news kind of at once and now i think we've kind of hit you know a bit of a wall as you know rosters are being it's kind of like a cycle right it's a busy you know period after the season ends to to coaching staff uh, adjustments and changes and re-signings and free agency and you know, the last two weeks have kind of been, you know, the first two weeks of free agency were kind of busy, you know, with a couple signings a day. Now it's kind of like uh, coaches and general managers are at the starting combines, the regional ones, and then, of course, the national one that's going to be here in Winnipeg uh, during March CFL week, and then that basically goes right into the draft, and the draft into... Many camp for some uh, teams. I hear the Bombers are having a camp. Uh, in April, I think. April. So that'll be dead. And then, well, early uh, early May, I think, or late May this year is the, the first exhibition game. Yeah. Late May. Late May was when the... Uh is when I believe the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Edmonton Eskimos, I think it is, playing the first preseason game of the year. I think it's on the last day of May. Could yeah, so there, was a, there was a big discussion because the Regina Pats are hosting the Memorial Cup, which is the junior hockey, the CHL national, uh, national tournament in Regina. And they were saying how the Riders are playing on the same day as the, the Memorial Cup final. Ah, so Sunday, May 27th is when the first preseason game kicks off between the uh, the Riders and the Eskimos, and then uh, Montreal and Ottawa on May 31st, and then we get into a triple header on June 1st. So we're not very far away from 
seeing CFL football again. As you mentioned, we've got the scouting, the draft, and then camps and all that coming up. So I, I agree with you. I think, you know, we're starting to get to a point where there's not that much news around the CFL for the next cup for these sort of couple weeks here. But with all the activity coming, it's bound to ramp right back up again. You know, it's it's kind of like the cycle, right? I mean, everything's kind of wrapping up. There's a downward, and then it pits up again, right? Yeah, and realistically, I think when we embarked on this plan to keep going throughout the off season, because we've never done that before, I think you know the pace that we're at right now is kind of what we expected it to be for the most of the off season long. But like you said, we were we had such a flurry of activity. This was kind of more so what we were expecting. And I think that's that's Joe Ryan. You know, we'd be remiss, I believe, to not suspect that the CFL season will start even earlier next year. And then after that, and eventually CFL season in January. Hopefully, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I last I heard Mr. Coop, uh, I think he got it wrong. They wanted the great top in early November. You're right. Um, getting into, cause there certainly was still some news, the biggest of which Mike, the James Wilder off season contract saga has officially come to an end with a two year contract with the Toronto Argonauts, keeping them in an Argos uniform through 2019. I'll tell you what, when I first saw the news and this was way back when, when he said, I'm considering sitting out, blah, blah, blah. I thought, uh-oh, you know, because you get into a real, and we've discussed this countless times on the show, you get into a real sticky situation, uh, you know, with player contracts and numbers and dollars and cents and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think the Ardles made a, a really good idea to, you know, kind of blow up the blow up the existing deal and kind of restructure it. I heard, and I don't know how accurate this is. I might I might be wrong, but just from what I read, uh, this contract puts Wilder in line to be one of the top running backs in the CFL. As yeah, far as, and as far as pay goals. Well, one of the top American running backs in the CFL, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think the top American running back. Not nearly as much, though, still as what Andrew Harris is making because, he, you know, he has that Canadian tag that is mm-hmm. equal, more valuable, obviously. Uh, at least it's deemed that way. And so, yeah, I, you know, I was kind of surprised, like you, when I saw this news because... James Wilder makes this big situation that, no, he's not going to play in 2018. Um, How, you know, he wants his shot at the NFL. And the fact that this is a two-year deal extra surprised me because, you know, he's made his his speech about how, you know, the CFL pay level is not enough for him to support his family. He has the talent he believes to give a shot at the NFL. The Argos go and throw this deal at him, and he goes and decides, okay, yeah, I'll stick around for another two years, which now puts an extra year back on his attempt to go to the NFL if he still wants to. You know, I'll, I'll tell you something. This is a deal that benefits both sides, but I can tell you there's some uproar 
amongst players, privately behind closed doors. In what sense? Because now I believe you've opened up a can of worms for everybody else. It's like we don't like our, you know, how you have to sign that mandated rusty two-year contract. You've gone, you've gone about it on a very slippery slope with, you know, other guys who are trusting the same as James Wilder. And I, I still maintain that I don't think it's going to bode well for CBA negotiations. No, I would agree with you there. In terms of, you know, put the contract dispute aside, this, this was... Like, this was an absolute must for the Argos to get done, in my opinion. Well, I wouldn't say an absolute must, because, you know, your favorite saying, and you've uttered it many times on the podcast, is that running backs are a dime a dozen. I don't think guys like James Wilder are a dime a dozen. No. He is is a special talent, and I think, you know, if they didn't find a way to get this done, that would have been a huge loss and a huge hole for the Argos to fill, and I'm not quite sure how they would fill it. We talked about that the last several episodes of the podcast. No, I, I really believe the Ardles also won here as much as James Wilder got a pay scale. Uh, or sorry, a pay upgrade. Um, because you know what? There's no certainty beyond, and this was under the old deal, there was no certainty beyond this year. Now Toronto has them locked in at a dollar amount that's supposedly very substantial to Wilder's lighting. You know what, Toronto... Get an extra year out of it too, and they don't have to worry about their number one prize possession, arguably a star running back, uh, having to make a bolt for the NFL. The uh, now there's reports out there or uh, discussion that this this is just one big PR move from the Toronto Argonauts. Oh, we're going to make him one of the biggest, uh, the most paid running back in the CFL type of thing. Um, well, the numbers don't lie that yes, he is the top paid American running back in the CFL as far as we're aware, or close to that at least. How much of this was the Argos realizing if we don't handle this situation and get this done and let James Wilder walk, how much do you think the fan impact of that impacted their decisions to decide to, okay, let's try to restructure a deal with him? I I, I think for me... It's a very interesting proposition you bring up, right? Because you know, you know, Toronto is a very unique market in the in the standpoint that you know they don't really have. And, and I'm trying to be as polite as possible. Honestly, I'm trying to be as polite as possible when I when I when I say this. And Toronto is no Winnipeg. They're no Regina. They're no Calgary. They're no Edmonton. You know, Toronto is one of those. Markets, but unfortunately, you have to kind of grow the game on, you know. To and I'm hoping that the ownership of uh, I'm hoping that the ownership in Toronto will help stabilize and help, you know, build the brand. But unfortunately, you cannot build you cannot build a brand without star players. And I think Toronto realized that James Wilder was one of those marketable players to help excite the fan base that I think they realized that if it would be a huge fumble, no pun intended, handling this handling this incorrectly. Yeah, and, and you know, 
I'm not surprised from Wilder's standpoint. Well, I was kind of surprised at first based on the things he said. But I think at the end of the day, you know, because the Argos were not going to release him to go to the NFL. um, I think at the end of the day, he realized, you know, if I need to provide for my family, if I can get a better contract here, that this is my option type of thing, right? Um, and, And I think, and we've seen this with the Johnny Manziel conversations and everything, I think the worst case scenario, the worst thing you can do if your goal is to make it back to the NFL is to pick and choose where you play. I think that's the worst thing you can do in the sense that, you know, sitting on the sidelines isn't going to help showcase that you have the ability to get back to the NFL. Yeah, I... I, To me now, the... The pressure comes off of the Toronto Ardenauts and goes on to James Wilder to perform. Well, now I want to know what happens. So let's say 2018, he tears the league by storm, becomes the first uh, CFL running back to get 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards in receiving in a season. Andrew Harris was close to that last year. What happens at the end of this season now with a two-year deal? Does James Wilder then go and say, oh, look, now I want an even bigger contract? Now he's holding me hostage from going to the NFL again. uh, This is what I said about a slippery slope, right? And then you you have to bring a person's intentions into into question. That being said, looking at the on-field product... Are, we, we talked about how the Argos were Grey Cup champions, and uh, but despite they had holes in their roster that made us questioning whether they could repeat again this next year. This was the major hole we were talking about because we didn't know this situation. With James Wilder back, are you confident that the Argos have the ability to repeat now? I'm more confident. I, I just don't believe the Argos. I think the Argos will be in top again because I... I I really believe, and this has been said uh, countless times, I believe that somebody from the West will win the Great Cup this year. I, I think the Argos have the best chance out of everyone out East to be in the Great Cup um, when it comes to matchups, you know, with whoever they would play in the Great Cup. That, that's something that I would have to see who the matchup is. But looking at it right now, I mean... Just lucky, yeah, they were a 9-9 and team last year, and that's the thing everyone's talking about in terms of how this is, it's kind of a unique situation as Grey Cup champs, right? They didn't have a dominant season. They stayed middle of, middle of the road. They uh, won a couple key games when they needed to and made a couple key plays and went on to be Grey Cup champions. That being said, I think this team has improved talent-wise, from what they had at the start of the year last year. You know, they have a full season of James Wilder here now. They have, you know, Ricky Ray, if he can produce like he did last year, and they have a young backup in James Franklin. Their defense, the number of pieces they added this offseason, that defense is going to be incredible. I think this is going to be a much better Argos regular season team that we'll see win the East Division again this year. Yeah, and... For me, I, I believe as the rosters are currently constructed, Hamilton is the closest to maybe giving Toronto a bit of a challenge. But I believe, you know, in a one-game situation, Toronto has to get a chance as any to get to the Great Cup representing the East. Whether or not they can win, like you said, 
becomes become the question of who they match up against. Now, sticking with the Argos here, several other, pretty much all of our biggest news for this week comes out of Toronto. Uh, we, I believe we talked about the rumors of this during the last episode of the podcast uh, in terms of offensive coordinator Marcus Brady leaving the team. Uh, he does leave the team to go team to go join the NFL's Indianapolis Colts coaching staff. Um, I don't think it's been decided yet, or at least announced yet. But I'm pretty sure I would expect to see Tommy Condell uh, take over that role as offensive coordinator in Toronto. Do you worry about any bit of a switch over there? No, because I I really believe. Uh... You're as good as your roster, and you're as good as your situation. And, you know, Ricky Ray being back is very, very good news. And, you know, Ricky Ray is a veteran quarterback. He's seen a lot in the CFLA. I would be worried. Um, I, I, I w- even, even to be honest with you, I wouldn't be that worried about James Franklin just because it's his first year in an offense, so you can kind of, reshape offense to James Franklin's lighting, but you know, with with Ricky Ray being the supposed number one and, you know, James Franklin getting ready for, you know, he the student and the student teacher scenario, um I have no concerns because Ricky Ray's a veteran quarterback and I believe that, you know, it is a good time if you're Toronto to maybe install with I like Pondell and you know, let him work on, you know, both Brittany Ray, who's the vet, and then quickly uh, bring James Franklin along for maybe, you know, some appearances in relief if Brittany Ray gets hurt, and then um, eventually grooming him for a starter's job uh, next year. Well, and then let's even talk about as well the reports out there that uh, the Toronto Argonauts bringing in Anthony Calvillo as their quarterback's coach, Mike. I mean, the, you look at... Mark Tressman is known for his work, his brilliant work with quarterbacks. Anthony Calvillo, one of the best CFL quarterbacks of all time. These two guys, having these two guys in your coaching staff together with, you know, Ricky Ray as an actual player himself. I mean, James Franklin has basically the best teaching you could have to grow as a CFL quarterback. And I'm really interested to see how conversations in practice and in games go between quarterback coach Anthony Calvillo and starting quarterback Ricky Ray, because these are two guys that lined up, you know, played against each other, have been future slash current Hall of Famers, right? You know, you took the words right, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was just about to say that. Uh, you know, can you imagine just, and that's why I believe the the Ardos are in a really good situation, even if Brady Ray should miss some time with injury, which has happened in the past. Uh, I believe they did did uh, Fajardo may have started a game or two. I forget. Yeah, I think Jeff that? Matthews started last year. Oh yeah, Jeff Jeff Matthews was the third that that's the day I was trying to think of. Uh, but yeah, you know they're a lot better positioned. Uh, to help bring Alana Yandai like James Franklin. Nothing but positives coming from the Argos over the last couple of weeks. These three things we mentioned, getting Wilder back. Um, okay, maybe, you know, Marcus Brady leaving takes a bit of a hit, but I have confidence Tommy Condell, if he does get the job, will 
will do just fine. And bringing in Anthony Calvillo, I mean, that's a great, great move there. And to see him work together alongside Mark Tressman is going to be fun to watch. Um, moving over and sticking kind of on the coach side of things here, Mike, the other biggest piece of news over the last two weeks uh, comes out of Hamilton. They've been relatively quiet since free agency kicked off. But they're getting a big piece back in the form of former defensive coordinator Orlando Steinauer joining the team as assistant coach. Yeah, this to me is very, very interesting. Um, I believe that Hamilton and Toronto have two of the best coaching staffs assembled in the CFL. You know, when you look at everybody as a whole, you know, in the, in the type of coaching staff that they've assembled. I mean, this to me came out of left field. Uh, I think uh, Orlando Steinhauer may have left for Fresno State. Yeah, I think I, so as well. I think that's the team. I'm not 100% certain. But I would like to know, number one, not to say that, you know, I'm not happy for Hamilton, you know, but they get their their coach path, but, you know, what were the circumstances of, you know, him wanting to come back and maybe he saw like he missed something in Hamilton or things weren't going like he thought they were in Fresno or, or maybe he just got a, a pay raise and a offer that he could not refuse. And, and I believe that Hamilton is set, you know, coach-wise for the season. And June Jones, uh, he's got a lot of help on his staff uh, to help, you know, build on the back half of last year. And it would not surprise me if it's between, uh, like, why can't Hamilton, you know, win the East right now on paper? I think they can. You know, as much as as much as we talked about the 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 Ardos and the, you know the good coaching staff that they have, your team is as good as your coaching staff and consistency. Uh, the coaching staff and bringing in high quality, you know, coaches. Yeah, and they bring in, they bring in defensive coordinator Jerry Glanville as well. So you know, it's a very if you have the consistency from the top down, and we all understand that, you know, Hamilton had image issues there for a couple of weeks last year when they wanted to bring in Art Bryos and, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not here to get into that again, but I'll tell you what. Hamilton built a solid, reputable coaching staff, and it's led by somebody who is a little bit of an off-the-chart pick if you would have asked me about a year ago for coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And it, it's a tribute to what ownership builds and ownership is kind of putting the pieces in place to say, you know, we like what you did in the second half of last year and we want you to try to continue that. And that they haven't changed much and, and I like the move. Now, now, you were mentioning uh, with June Jones taking over at the coaching staff last year. He had no prior CFL experience coming into that, correct? Right. Yeah, so do you see any parallels to what we could potentially see with the Montreal Alouettes with their new head coach? I believe it's Mike Sherman. Yeah, Mike Sherman. 
he has no CFL experience either. Does does the success that June Jones has had since he took over, does that give you hope that Mike Sherman, no CFL experience, can do something along those same lines? Absolutely, but I wouldn't expect it to be this year. I mean, nobody knew, you know, to be honest with you at the time. I didn't. I think everybody's trying to take the playbook out of somebody else, out of somebody else's success. To be honest with you. Well, but, to you be know, to be fair, I mean the Ticats were zero and eight when June Jones took over. None of us expected them to have any sort of success last year mm-hmm. when he took over, and yet, well, they didn't make the playoffs. But I chalk that m- more up to the zero and eight start than the second half of the season. But mm-hmm. the Ticats still found their success. Well, and, and here's the thing, you know, this goes back to, you know, when Mark Trustman first came into the CFL. Everybody, everybody's kind of looking like, huh? Mark Trustman, right? Like, who's this guy? You know, what does he know about the CFL? And that's translated into, you know, not necessarily Michael Shea because he's been a former player. But you've seen, you know, more coaches, June Jones, um, I was trying to think of a couple other coaches, and I, I believe this situation, Joe, though, just getting back to your question, to your question, Ryan, I believe as good a, as good of a coach as you have, your coaches are only going to be as successful as your general manager is at acquiring talent for your roster. So you you probably kind of know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah, I have I. I'll be honest with you. I have more confidence as of right now in in Hamilton based on the proven commodities that I see on their roster than I do that of Mike Sherman in Montreal. However, that's not to say that Mike Sherman can't get to that level, you know, with some time. And with some veteran savviness, if you will, of Tavis Reed to shape the roster to allow Mike Sherman to have success. The coach is only as good as the general manager, uh, as the general manager is able to acquire talent. Is only as good as the talent as the ge- that the general manager brings in. That's a good point. Um, the, the coach shapes the talent. Right. And the general manager brings in the talent to be shaped. Right. Uh, in terms of Orlando Steinauer, you know, he he was he's this, he's entering his fifth season as coach with the Ticats, I believe. Um, he he left last year in 2017 to go take the job uh, with Fresno State. The uh, Ticats start the season 0 and 8, have big defensive issues at the start of last season. Does that relate to the fact that Orlando Steinauer left? Do you think that change at the defensive coordinator position? Because the Ticats' defense had been strong for many years mm-hmm. prior to that. Do you think that was the major factor in that? Because mm-hmm. I don't think personnel on on the field, they had that much of an overhaul from the year before. I'm going to say it went hand in hand. It was a contributing factor, but not the issue. Because when I look at it, I see, you know, Orlando Steinauer leaves, does not coach with the Ticats in 2017. Uh, Jeff Reinbold, great job as a special teams coordinator for Ham- in Hamilton for many years. 
they go and get him to take on defensive coordinator duties as well uh, to fill the hole left by Steinauer leaving. And uh, I, I think that was a struggle for him to balance between the two. And I think just the whole, you know, that was a major factor, that changeover in the start of the season struggles for the Ticats last year. Partially, but I also believe they had issues offensively. You know, they... Oh, yeah, certainly they had their offensive issues as well. And maybe that led to the defense being on the field more, which is what you mean in terms of the struggles there. But I, I that that's my opinion. Uh, right. At the end of the day, I think getting Steinauer back in whatever role he's going to play as you know, the assistant coach to June Jones is going to be huge. So I, I have a question, and, and this is more, you know, the Scott Mitchell and the executive of uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. What is his role? And this is Orlando Steinhauer, other than assistant head coach. You know, one, one thought that when he first signed, that it would be to be defensive coordinator. I haven't heard any other defensive position other than that of um, other than that of uh, assistant head coach. So one would think that you know he would have assistant head coach and defensive coordinator, but clearly, um, but clearly uh, they have other plans. And well, and you have to wonder if maybe it's the same type of thing like the the Alouettes named their coaching staff for this year and. Rich Stubler, one of the best defensive coordinators in the league for numerous numbers of years. Um, He's not directly the defensive coordinator, but he's an advisor to the defensive coordinator, Cleo Carter, in Montreal. So maybe that's something that, you know, Orlando Steinauer is, you know, playing that same type of role in Hamilton here. Yeah, and that's a good... it makes me wonder if somebody on Hamilton's coaching staff, and I, I don't want to go, you know, starting rumors and all that. I have to wonder if somebody there might be on a short leash. Well, I don't see anyone that sticks out that would be. But, yeah, I get what you're saying there. Um, moving on, because we've got some other news to cover here yet, as sure. well, like the, uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks announcing today that they've released quarterback Ryan Lindley. Yeah, this to me, not that much of a surprise. Um, Lindley does have an NFL experience in in very limited CFL reps. Let's be frank, didn't you know perform very well? I he had one start against the Bombers. Um, uh, that one, that was the one that was an absolute disaster for him. Well, in fairness, as you remember, that game. Monsoon rainstorm that whole game. Uh, I don't know how much that is on Ryan Lindley, but then quarterback that both teams play in the same conditions and that whole kind of thing. But I believe Ottawa looked at that as a chance to maybe upgrade uh, on their roster. And, you know, Ryan Lindley, a NFL, not NFL cast off, that wouldn't be fair, but. A guy with NFL experience, basically, you know, they're just looking for an upgrade there. And I I can't say I'm too terribly surprised. No, and especially since they did bring in Dominic Davis from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers a couple weeks ago. I figured that maybe, you know, we'd see them as a 
number two, number three, 2A, 2B type of situation. Uh, not too surprised here, though. I'm just wondering, you know, and and I believe that Ottawa was in on, you know, somebody on the quarterback carousel. Rumors were that they were in on Darian Durant. That, like, to me, Ottawa should have been in, and by all accounts, were in on a couple of the quarterbacks that have now signed elsewhere. They resorted to the fact that the Blue Bombers released Dominic Davis, and I'm I'm sorry, Ryan, I'm just trying to think who that other quarterback was on the roster. There was it Stanley last year. Well, it was Drew Tate was on the. It was Drew Tate and Ryan Lindley were the uh, number two and number three string. Okay, so basically, you know, you look at um, a situation where, you know, Dom Davis is probably the incumbent, the new guy, number two, so to say. And I think they want to leave it an open battle in training camp as to who gets the uh, number uh, three job. Looking around here at the uh, the Edmonton Eskimos, a um, couple of announcements coming out over the last couple of weeks. A um, couple of retirements. Offensive lineman DeAnthony Baptiste uh, officially retiring and uh, going to the NFL to join the Oakland Raiders as an assistant coach. Um, also, offensive lineman Andrew Jones uh, played with the BC Lions in 2017, but uh, wasn't a member of the Eskimos uh, for their Grey Cup win. Here in Edmonton, or here in Winnipeg in 2015, um, signs a one-day contract to retire with the Eskimos after 11 seasons in the CFL. What a career for Andrew Jones. Yeah, you know, one of those on the Herald did, I didn't really know, to be honest with you, and this is no disrespect to him, I didn't know who he was until I, until I read a little bit, and his, his name came back to me, yeah. Uh, there, but you know, just one of those guys that was, by all accounts, a very steady Eddie kind of guy, a very a team guy, was willing to do whatever it took to be on a team. And you know, he winds up uh, signing a one day contract with the team that he arguably had the most success with, you know, winning the Great Cup and all that. Um, good for him. It's, you know, guys, and, and I, I like to see this, you know, guys go out on their own terms. Yeah, right? and, and let's be clear. I mean, 11 seasons in the CFL is no joke. Like, right. you can't make it 11 seasons in the CFL and not be a talented football player. You, you just can't. You don't see that many careers last that long, I don't think. That's pretty impressive. He may not get all the fanfare. He may not get all the recognition in the news because, you know, they say offensive lineman is a position where uh, you don't want to hear your name heard, right? If you hear your name heard, chances are you messed up. Yeah, and, and especially to be 11 years as an old lineman, right, or a lineman. Um, you know, one of the most punishing positions, whether it's O-line, D-line. You know, it's a very tough, difficult position to play for one season, never mind 11. For sure. Offensive lineman, uh, this came out about uh, just a couple minutes before we started recording here. Uh, offensive lineman Simeon Rotier signed to a contract extension by the Eskimos. I like this move. Simeon Rotier is a very solid offensive lineman. They lose Joel Figueroa to the BC Lions, which we talked about the last couple of weeks. 
um, would be a bit of a hole, is going to be a huge hole along that O-line for the Eskimos. And uh, if they uh, if they couldn't uh, get Simeon Rotier back, well, that would be another one there. So this is huge for the Eskimos. Yeah, again, it's consistency, right? I mean, I believe that uh, the Eskimos are a little behind, you know, in the roster talent of out of Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, and Calgary. But again, they they just seem to faint fit, you know, consistency and. The best move that they probably made it the one that, you know, they don't make that rash move, and they believe that promoting from within is, uh, and staying with staying the course is sometimes the best move, rather than going out and feverishly spending. The Eskimos also signing defensive back Buddy Jackson, so another piece to add to that secondary there in Edmonton. Yeah, again, it's it's one of those things where there's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts, and you know people won't come out and, and say this, but I believe there is a lot of pressure on the Edmonton Eskimos uh, to get into a great cup. Uh, they certainly have had the roster of late the last couple of years to you know go to the great cup, but haven't been able to you know get over that hump since winning the great cup here in Winnipeg. Uh, I mean, it's no secret uh, the plan is to try to get into a, a home great cup for Edmonton, whether uh, it's said publicly or not. And just wrapping up uh, a couple, a bit of a smaller moves, uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders signing two wide receivers, Shaq Evans and Jacoby Ford, and the BC Lions signing wide receiver Ricky Collins and uh, wide receiver Kieran Duncan as well. So some depth moves there for both of those teams at the wide receiver position. Sorry, Ricky Collins to BC, you said? Yeah. Is that the same guy who played in Saskatchewan? Yeah, that was uh, same Ricky Collins. That might be an underrated signing for Ed Hervey. Um, he did have he did show flashes at times when he was with the Riders. Um, I think he just you know was kind of a victim of the Riders bringing all this wide receiver talent, and he kind of you know got left behind in that sense. You know, I really believe, and I hope Richie Collins breaks out in BC, but not against the Bombers. Uh, you know, we we've seen guys not necessarily be successful, you know, with their first team, but when they did a second team, they they kind of bust out onto the scene. And the guy that I'm thinking of is a Darius Bowman, right? Right. Started his career in Winnipeg, went on to have a great, uh, you know, career in Edmonton at Ross Vulcan. Uh, now he's back in Winnipeg, so I'm hoping to change the scenery. We'll do some well, do well for uh, Ricky Collins. Uh, just, uh, just cut final couple pieces to mention here. Uh, more so on the social media standpoint. I don't know if you saw this, Mike, but the uh, the CFL's manager of social media and content, uh, Max Rosenberg, uh, announcing this week after uh, several seasons. Uh, he started off uh, as the PR or as the social media guy for the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, end up moving into the role uh, with the CFL. He's the guy behind the uh, the CFL's Twitter account. He does the CFL this week. Uh, stepping down from the role and moving out of a role in the CFL office after several years. Yeah, I, I just saw the story briefly uh, this morning, so I can't exactly uh, comment, unfortunately. He, uh, you know, I, I think... 
the stuff he's done along with, you know, the other members of the CFL media team, like Brody Loss and Davis Sanchez, uh, Christina Litz, all, all of the members around, you know, that CFL team there. I think the things they've done with the digital content, I mean, the CFL's digital content is greater than it ever has been. How much of that is Randy and Brody versus how much of that was in place? I guess we'll never know. Uh, right. But the, the CFL has to do things and has to come up with ideas to make themselves continue to look good and continue to be on the map, you know, year-round. Yeah, and I think uh, I think uh, Max Rosenberg was a big part of that. So uh, thank you, Max, for what you've done for the last couple of years for to help grow this league, and best of luck in your new role. And uh, he, he says he's looking forward to being in the stands and uh, being just a CFL fan again. So I, I hope he enjoys it. You know, that's the interesting thing, right? When people, you know, work for leads and all of a sudden rate for, you know, a certain period of time and then they don't work for the lead anymore and then they, they can become a fan. It, it's a very it's a very interesting thing that Matt's is probably going to find out to go from, you know, because working in a lead office, and I know this just on a, on a smaller scale, you know, being on a lead executive here in, here in Winnipeg, you know, you can't really pledge allegiance to a certain team, and and all of a sudden, you know, your your duties change, and you're no longer with the lead, and you cannot, and you're allowed to be a fan of whatever team you want. It's it's, it's a very uh, it's a very interesting dynamic for for sure, and and I know just from personal experience, uh, it, it it can be a lot of it can be a lot of fun, you know the. Not being not being able to pledge allegiance to a certain team because you're because you're working for a lead office or a lead executive and now you're no longer with the lead and you have to just be a fan again. That's a interesting situation for sure. Well, Mike, there's a a new CFL podcast is joining the community. Announced, I believe, yesterday. Uh, the Wood Cookie Sawcast, a uh, show all about the Ottawa Red Blacks, uh, has been announced, is in the works, and uh, will be coming out uh, starting soon. So, wow. wow. Welcome aboard to the uh, CFL podcast community. I'm surprised that uh, took as long as it did for somebody uh, to use that name for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Ottawa's very unique in that way, right? You know, we... We see that chainsaw or whatever it is on the sideline with the, you know, cutting into the log. Uh, so it's kind of very fitting uh, to suit the culture and all that with the Red Blacks and their game day atmosphere. So looking forward to giving that a listen. For sure. And finally, Mike, um, I don't know how much of a reality television guy you are. I'm a, I'm a big Survivor fan myself. Never been a Big Brother fan, but uh, we might have to check it out now because a member of the CFL community is on the upcoming season of Big Brother Canada, which starts tonight. Um, Ryan Ballantyne, uh, one of the hosts of the uh, Horseman Radio uh, podcast out of Calgary, uh, he was on our podcast here during the uh, playoff roundtable episodes, uh, the interviews I did back around the Grey Cup playoffs. Uh, he'll be on Big Brother Canada this season, so uh, exciting times, uh, member of the CFL community. Well, number one, Ryan, I uh, honestly still can't believe uh, that you watch camping on TV. Um, uh, number two... Uh, 
The, uh, by the way, that was meant to be a joke for everybody. Uh, in Canada, there's a joke that, let me clarify what I'm saying before I get into some kind of trouble by some listeners. Uh, there's this joke going around that uh, the TV show uh, Survivor is, I don't know, scripted, dramatized. You know, people survive, right? It's 40 days. I don't know. 15, 39. Or 39. Uh, so they haven't changed this since the last time I've seen it. Uh, but anyway, there's a, there's a joke in, in Canada. You can look this up on social media. In the U.S., we call it Survivor, while in Canada, Canada we call it Camping. So that's kind of kind of funny. funny. I'm offended by your joke, Mike. I'm offended. Uh, <laughs> massive, uh, massive Survivor fan. Haven't missed an episode in, uh, let's see, it's on season 36 now. I've been watching since season 10. So haven't missed an episode in 26 seasons. Wow. I, I, and I used to watch the show today. I, I love the show still, but I, I just haven't had the time to watch it. Um, but, you know, and for for Ryan, I mean, it's a, it's a unique experience. Uh, I, I do know a little bit about the Big Brother series, not so much anymore. It's, you know, almost become too much for my brain to comprehend, but uh, I will for sure keep an eye on it. For sure, and uh, best of luck to Ryan Ballantyne. Uh, represent the CFL community well. But, by the way, Ryan, if you want to interpret me for the uh, reality show, mine ended last night. So. And what? Which one was that? The Bachelor. Uh, the Bachelor. Okay, fair enough. Hey, I don't see anything wrong with that. Just fun. I made it a bit of an even game. Uh, if you wanted to. Throw a chirp in there as well, by all means. No, no, there's no chirps to be made. <laughs> anyway, uh, I I hope you know, Ryan, but I was only kidding around there. Oh, of course, of course, I know you are. Uh, so, reality TV talk, uh, new segment on the podcast every week, or uh, we'll be looking, we'll be looking for the Survivor update. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, Mike, do you have any final thoughts here before we uh, before we end off this episode of the podcast? Well, I, if I may stray away from football for a minute, uh, I sure hope Mark Shifley is okay. Yeah, it looked like he re-injured that shoulder last night. Uh, not good, but the Winnipeg Jets' pursuit of a Stanley Cup uh, continues without him. No, I mean, if Patrick Linus scores the way he keeps scoring, I don't, uh, I don't know if anyone can stop him. And, and that's just that, 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 that's the funny thing with Lionel late. He's got two goals. Uh, this was three games ago against Detroit. He had two goals. Played Carolina, had two goals on uh, Sunday. And then had a hat trick last night. And it's just, it's one of those things where the goalie knows that the uh, that the shot is coming. He, he still can't defend it. And, and that's when you know you have a lethal shot. But uh, I would believe that your boys would also be in the running for a Stanley Cup. Of course, Tampa Bay Lightning continue to do well. So wouldn't it be neat if uh, Winnipeg and Tampa were on a collision course for a Stanley Cup? I would very much enjoy that. But I, I still believe, you know, in honesty with the uh, Western Conference and the NHL, uh, I, I still think all roads go through Nashville, and I'm not sure the Jets can beat Nashville in a certain amount. You never know. 
But I, I believe the Predators are going to make the case for uh, representing the Western uh, Stanley's Cup. Just wrapping things up here, Mike, uh, that's all we have for today's episode. We'll be back again next week with another. Uh, still working things out, still hoping to be at CFL Week uh, with lots of coverage of that. Again, that takes place uh, in just about two weeks' time. I think March 21st is when it kicks off. Yeah, 21st to 25th. 21st, 25th. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, follow us on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM for more information on that as we have it available in terms of what we'll be doing that week in terms of coverage. Um, lots more to come, like we mentioned at the start of the show. Uh, bit of a dry spell in terms of CFL news, but it's soon going to ramp up again. Here, here's another thing quickly if I could just throw it in there. Uh, avid curling fans in the city of Winnipeg, the Grand Slam of Curling Elite 10 Championship. That's weekend at the St. James Civic Center. Olympic gold medalist Schuster and that American team is slated to be in that tournament. I may uh, I may have to suddenly make weekend plans now and uh, go check that out. For sure. All right, that does it for this episode. For Michael Garrell, this is Ryan Coop. This has been the Canadian Football Countdown. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.